I'm really excited because for the first time, I'm going to be ministering for the next few weeks on, on, on Christmas, you know, on, on Jesus and Christmas. And I feel like I need to do a, almost like a series on it for the next couple of weeks. But this morning, I want to minister on something. And it's so interesting because the, more, the, the message I'm going to minister, you to, minister to you this morning is normally one that I would do at the beginning of the year, but it felt very strongly that somebody needs to hear this this morning. And maybe I needed to hear it, so I'm going to preach it to myself again. But I know that there are people here that need to hear this message because sometimes in our journey with God, we've seen Him do amazing things. We see amazing miracles. Our, our, our walk with Him is so incredible. But at some point, we get to this almost like roadblock. And that's what I want to deal with this morning. So we're going to dive right into it. It's so good again to be with you guys. So great to have you all here this morning in December on a Sunday morning. So let's, let's, let's dive right in. Let's dive right in. You know, it's, it's Jesus had called his disciples to walk with him. And we know that the mandate at the end before he went up to be with the Father was that, that, that the disciples would go out and make more disciples, that you and I would become disciples of the kingdom, that we would be his servants, that we would be his followers, that we would, you know, do his work while we're on this earth. And each and every one of us in this room has had a different journey up until this point. Part of that journey has probably been exciting. Part of that journey has probably been, you know, full of faith and you've had special moments. But I want this morning for you to try and imagine what it must have been like to be one of those disciples. One of those disciples that saw Jesus, who had been prophesied about, come in the flesh and they believed that this was their Messiah. They believed that this was the Messiah that was sent. And in the beginning, I think they probably hoped he was and, and that they, they, they felt that he was, but they never truly comprehended the fullness of who he was until much later. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we dive into this morning's message. But I want you to kind of try and imagine it. You know, in the Old Testament, we see miracles and we see the hand of God through the lives of the prophets and certain kings and God used individuals, but, but they were very sort of, you know, they were very spread out over many, many years. Some incredible miracles, but nothing like Jesus. When Jesus came on the earth, he turned it inside out, upside down. I want you to think about it. It's 2,000 plus years later, and this morning gathered all around the world, the church is filled with people that believe in the Son of God. So these disciples obviously got to see these miracles. They got to see the love of God through Jesus. They got to see His power. They got to see His mercy. They got to see the, you know, Him do all these miraculous things. Then at a certain point in his ministry, he called his disciples in Matthew 10, verse number one, it says this, and when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. So we know that there was a certain point, take a look there, Matthew 10, and there's a reason I'm telling you this because we're gonna go in sort of chronological order this morning. Matthew 10, he gives them authority over unclean spirits. He gives them authority to perform miracles in his name. And so you must imagine what this must have been like for them 
to be able to be used by God, to be able to be used like Jesus was being used in a supernatural way. Can you imagine how their faith must have begun to increase? I mean, let's be honest. You know, at this point before Jesus, no one was casting out demons. Now there were 12, 13, Jesus and the 12 that were casting out demons at different places. We know later on he calls 70 and they also go out and cast out demons and they come back and say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name and we perform merry miracles in your name. So faith is increasing in the disciples. In your journey with God, you may be like that. If, you have, if your journey hasn't been one where faith has begun to increase, we already have a problem. But we're not going to get, discuss that problem this morning. Okay, this morning we're going to talk about, you know, let's, let's imagine that we're walking with God and, and, and hopefully it's been like this for you. And in your journey, as you grow in the Lord, your faith increases, you become stronger in the Lord, doubt becomes less and less and less. You become, you know, more spiritually, you know, uh, 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 equipped and, and, and empowered and, and your faith is increasing all the time. In Matthew 16... In Matthew 16, or no, let's, let, we'll go to Matthew 16 in a moment. In Matthew 14, I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just going to tell you the story. I don't want to spend too much time like I did in the first service on this. But in Matthew 14, we know the story of where Jesus walks on the water. He sends his disciples in the boat. He goes up to pray. Once he's finished praying, he thought, instead of catching a boat across, I'll walk on the water. So he decided to walk on the water to his disciples who were in the middle of, of the Sea of Galilee at this time. But I want you to try and imagine this, guys. Yes, Jesus coming, they freak out. They think it's a ghost because they never read that Jesus walked on water like you did. So no one had ever walked on water until this time. And seeing a man walk on the water must have been kind of intimidating and, and, and caused fear or whatever it was that came upon them. But something miraculous happened in that moment. In that exact moment, Peter somehow gets excited and says, Lord, let me come to you. Let me come. If you're willing, let me come. And, and Jesus says to him, Peter, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water. And as he's walking on the water, the Bible suggests to us that the wind and, and the elements around him began to distract him. And, and that moment in his distraction, he begins to sink. And so it is with us in our journey that sometimes in our journey, we, we, we'll, life will throw a, a wind at us or a storm at us or something at us, and we sort of begin to sink a little bit. Jesus makes a profound statement in that moment. He says to him, he says, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And the Greek word there for doubt is a very unusual word because this Greek word for doubt is not unbelief. It's a word that is only used twice in the New Testament. And in this situation, he doubts, but this type of doubt literally means that it's almost like he wavers just for a moment. Like in that moment, he's walking on water. Can you imagine? You're walking on water. Go try it. See how it works out for you. You know, Peter's busy walking on water. But he sees the wind and it's like a little corp off guard. And, and in that one moment, he doubts. Or in that one moment, he just kind of wavers. You know, he's just sort of caught off guard. He hesitates is what that Greek word means. He hesitates. And in that moment of hesitation, he begins to sink. But still a great miracle. Now I want you to be, imagine that you're on the boat. 
You're seeing this miracle. You're Peter. You're seeing this miracle. Yes, he sank. Jesus comes and says to him, you know, you need a little bit more faith. But still, you know, doubt in that situation is not like certain types of unbelief. Unbelief and doubt are not the same thing. They are different. Doubt is almost like the beginning of it and can lead you into a situation of unbelief. But at this point, Jesus did not address them the way he's going to a little bit later on in the story. You see, in your journey, you will have moments of doubt. Moments of doubt where you kind of look at the storm or something comes your way, but you, you, you filter, you get yourself through it and you keep on going and you keep on growing. Can we all agree that that's sort of how the spiritual journey is? It's kind of like that. I wanna show you just how awesome the faith was of the disciples and especially Peter, who we know ends up denying God or Jesus much later on, but still, you know, it just describes the Christian walk so beautifully. Let's go to Matthew 16, verse 13. Matthew 16, verse 13. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And so they said, some say, John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And we have to stop there because most Christians don't really realize just how powerful that statement is. There is nothing normal about what Peter has just said. You see, what many Christians in Western culture don't understand is that the Jews did not believe that Jesus would be the son of God. They believed that Jesus would be the son of David and that the son of David would come and set them free and deliver them, but he was not God. So for Peter to make that statement, you are the, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the son of God is absolutely unbelievable. This faith, this, this, this thing that happened to him in this moment was absolutely transformational for him and I truly believe for the other disciples. Because the truth is, is that each and every one of us have to answer that question. Who is Jesus to you? Who is he to me? Is he a prophet? Is he what, what some say? Or what is he to you? Is he the son of God to you? Is he the Messiah to you? And of course the answer is yes. But you must understand no one had had this revelation. This revelation had not taken place like this amongst these Jewish individuals that understood Bible prophecy, that understood who the Messiah in some way would be, but in no way would he be the son of God. That's why Jesus gets so excited. Look at what he, what he says. He says, Jesus answered verse 17 and said to him, blessed are you Simon Barjona? For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. This is unbelievable. That's why it's so profound. Because it's not like you the Messiah. They all knew he was the Messiah, but they didn't know he was the Son of God. But in this moment, he was no longer a man. He was now God. Are you guys with me? And, and Jesus Jesus recognizes that the only way that Simon or Peter could have realized this is if God himself had revealed it to him. 
That's why he says flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. That's why the Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The only way you get life, the only way you grow spiritually is when you get a word from heaven. I'm not talking about knowledge. You can grow in knowledge, but spiritual growth requires something that comes from heaven. Manna from heaven. We're not going to preach about that today. All right. Jesus says to him, let's read it finished. He says, and I also say to you, verse 18, that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded the disciples, don't tell anybody who he really is. As you can see, don't tell anyone that he is the Christ. So you must understand that this was extremely powerful and that faith in the camp of the disciples must have been right up there. At the same time, I think there were some challenges as well about what had just been revealed. You must understand that. But in terms of faith, great faith. And you must understand that in your journey with God, you might be at a really good place today. But tomorrow something might come your way that might challenge your faith. And how you handle it is so important. So let's go in our Bibles to this morning's message. <laughs> let's go to Matthew 17, verse 14. Now you can see that last scripture was in Matthew 16. Now we're in Matthew 17. Between this was a couple of things, one of them being the Mount of Transfiguration. More faith, more more things happening there. Matthew 17, 14 says this. And when they had come to the multitude, this is Jesus and his disciples, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. They could not cure him. It doesn't say they, they tried or and it, they couldn't. There was nothing they could do. It didn't work. What had worked previously was not working. How all of a sudden did they go from having great faith to a position where all of a sudden what they believed and what they'd seen was all of a sudden not able to work. That all of a sudden it stopped. It's like, it's like something just hit them. Just like that. It just hit them. And all of a sudden they, they were not able to deal with this that they were facing. Now you can try and imagine what it is. It could be this and it could be that. And it could be the fact that it was an epileptic child. And you wouldn't think there would be a spirit there. And, you know, and that can open up a whole other can of worms. And we're not going to get into that this morning. The fact is, is whatever this was that they were suddenly facing was overwhelming to them and they could not deal with it. Then Jesus answered verse 17 and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long 
shall I bear with you? Now, who's he talking to? I mean, they came and said, your disciples, your disciples, they could do nothing. They couldn't help me, Lord. So Jesus gets almost like frustrated and he makes this statement. He says, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Now, it's so important that we take a look at the two words used here because he talks about a faithless and a perverse generation addressing his disciples. But I want you to understand something, that the statement is not addressing his disciples only. In fact, he's describing a force that will hit us as individuals that you will have to face in every generation. I'm so glad you're all wide awake. Okay, let's take a look at the two Greek words there. Remember, when he addressed Peter earlier on, he said to him, why did you doubt? Why did you waver? Why did you have that moment where you just sort of hesitated? But this is different because the disciples could do nothing in this situation. They just simply could do nothing. They could not heal this child. So he says, you're a faithless. The word faithless in the Greek is the word apistos. Apistos, and it means unbelieving or without faith. Now, if you look in Scripture, unbelief or without faith is used in other expressions and other Greek words. And I will one day do a whole series on unbelief and break all the different meanings down. But I want you to see that Jesus wanted to explain to us just how intense this unbelief is. So he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say that you are without faith or you are unbelieving. He calls them a perverse generation. The word perverse there in the Greek is the Greek word diastrapho, 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 and it means to be crooked, to be twisted, to be distorted, or to be misled. So in other words, something had happened. Something had happened to his disciples in that moment where this child was brought to him. The other demons he could, they could cast out. The other things that had happened to them, they'd been able to have faith. They'd been able to be used. They were growing in stature. More people were following Jesus. Everything was going great. But all of a sudden, there's this force that comes against them. There's this, there's this thing that, that affects them to, to suddenly have a twisted mentality or a twisted mind, a distorted mind where they cannot, they, cannot, they cannot handle this. They cannot handle what they're facing in this moment. So Jesus gives the solution. He says, bring him here to me. It's so easy for Jesus. It's really frustrating sometimes, you know. <laughs> Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. You must understand now, the disciples who have just heard him say, this faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I bear with you? They're standing right there. They're watching. Bring the child to me. Come out of him. And boom, the child is healed. Now they're watching this. They have faith. They believe. They've cast out demons. They've walked with the Lord for a long time. What's going on? How is it that suddenly, all of a sudden, this has happened? 
So finally, when the disciples are alone with him, they were not willing to leave this alone. You can imagine, right? Verse 19 says, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. But now understand, he's explained to us earlier on what type of unbelief this is. In other words, these disciples had suddenly been faced with something that they had not faced before. They had suddenly been brought, but what was brought before them was a challenge that they had not yet seen before. And a force came over them that caused them to no longer have the faith that they needed. Amen. They did not believe. There was unbelief. You see, when unbelief like this enters in, sometimes the supernatural cannot work. It cannot work. Let's, let's take a look at Mark 6, verse 5, real quick, and we'll come back to our story. Mark 6, verse 5 says, Now, he could not do He could do no mighty work there. This is when Jesus went to his hometown, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now watch, he marveled, just like he kind of like when when he spoke out with that child and he said, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I deal with you? He marveled, why? Because of their unbelief. This is not doubt. This is unbelief. This is different. This is a different level. This is something unbelievable. This was Joseph's boy. We don't believe who he is. There was no way that miracles could take place. There was no way that he could move the way he normally did. And it doesn't say that he chose not to do miracles there. It says he could not. So this force of unbelief that was around Jesus at this point caused him to no longer be able to operate the way he normally did. He still did miracles, we know that, but not like he normally did. Let's go back to Matthew 17, 19. Are you guys doing okay? All right, good. You're all concentrating, I can see. Good. All right. Matthew 17, 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately. We're just going to recap. Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, Now watch this. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. Okay, just like, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I'm struggling with this. Why? Because don't tell me that Peter didn't have faith the size of a mustard seed when he stepped out on the boat. Don't tell me they didn't have faith when they cast demons out before. But Jesus has just made a statement, and we know he tells the truth. You only need faith the size of a mustard seed, which is just a little bit of faith. So what's happened? What's happened is when something came their way that they'd never seen before and could not handle, they were not able to have faith the size of a mustard seed. Yesterday they had faith the size of an ocean, but this morning their faith is not even the size of a mustard seed. You may not recognize it, but sometimes the enemy comes in like a flood and the Lord wants to raise up a standard against it, but you don't believe he can. 
And this force is so gripping and so powerful that it's almost impossible for you to comprehend and understand it. That's why Jesus marveled. And he said, you wicked and perverse generation. You, you, you faithless, you, how long shall I bear with you? How long shall I put up with you? Because unfortunately, you must understand that that human nature is there. And yesterday you were doing well, but this morning you got a phone call and it's changed your life. And now you don't know how to deal with it. You don't know what to do because this thing has come your way. Maybe something happened in your life. Maybe something happened in your business. Maybe something happened in your family. And all of a sudden, it's so overwhelming. It's just so overwhelming that you don't know how to deal with it. And yesterday's faith is no longer even the size of a mustard seed. Yesterday you had great faith, but today you don't even have faith the size of a mustard seed. But the good news is that Jesus doesn't stop there. He tells us what to do to fix it. And you're not going to like this, but that's okay. Because <laughs> you can fight with him and not me. <laughs> If you've got it on the screen, I'll be very upset. <laughs> I don't think they do. You guys are well, doing a good job in the back. Thank you. So he says, let's read verse 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will, buy, will be impossible for you. Now watch. However, here's the solution. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, I want to start by saying this. I thought about this in the break. The disciples would come to, the Pharisees and even some of the disciples, actually it was the Pharisees that came to, 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 to Jesus and said to them, why do your disciples not fast? And he said, because I'm still with them. That's essentially what he said. But when I'm taken away, they will fast. So you must understand he's addressing a problem, but the solution would only be when he was not here. So don't tell me this doesn't apply to the church today. There will be forces that will come against you at certain points in your walk with God that will require you to enter into a deeper form of consecration because that consecration will bring you closer to him. And when you are closer to him, you are able to hear him. And when you're able to hear him, your faith begins to increase because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the rhema word of God. When you begin to consecrate yourself when you don't have the solution. Listen, I've seen it so many times in my ministry when someone is in all of a sudden hits a roadblock. They need a desperate breakthrough. They begin to consecrate themselves. They begin to seek God. They begin to fast. Nobody likes fasting. It's not fun. That's why the Bible says that, you know, you must go and put, make yourself look like you're not in mourning when you fast. Because all you want to do is mourn. It's not easy to fast. It's a, it takes consecration. Prayer, praying. Listen, if you've hit that roadblock and you can tell that your faith is, wa your faith is wavering, it might be time to enter into a season of consecration, of dedication. When I planted the church in the beginning, guys, I fasted all the time. Five-day fast, 14-day fast, seven-day fast, three-day fast, and God would answer almost every single time. Throughout the ministry, I fasted on different occasions, not only the Daniel fast, but I got good news for you. It's coming around the corner. Why am I telling you this right now? 
Yesterday in the prayer meeting, at the end of the prayer meeting, the whole group began to really intercede. It was so powerful. I mean, the, the prayer meeting was really just sort of average until that moment when the whole group began to intercede and the power of God just, you could just feel the presence of God in this place because one sets a thousand to fly, two, 10,000. And this whole room was just full of intercessors and they were all crying out to God just for a few minutes, just for a few seconds really. But in that moment, you could feel this, this presence. You could feel like there was a response from heaven because we decided just for a moment to press in. Why are we pressing in? Because we want that spirit of unbelief that has taken a hold of our city to be broken. I want to see family members saved. I want to see leaders in our city saved. I want to see Vero Beach saved. I want to see our schools saved. I want to see our school board saved. I want to see our county commissioners saved. I want to see our mayor encounter God. I want to see them encounter the Lord. I want to see Vero Beach serve the Lord. Listen. But sometimes somebody has to consecrate themselves. Daniel made a decision to consecrate himself. The Bible says Daniel set his face to seek the Lord. And on the 21st day, he had an encounter with God that changed the course of history. The angel even told him about the forces that would come in the days that lie ahead when Alexander the Great would be in power. He said that the prince of Greece will come. The principality of Greece will come. The battle is not against flesh and blood, my friend. It's against powers and principalities. It's a spiritual battle. Jesus, when he went and he said, how long will we have to deal with this, this force that comes to cripple his people? I want you to know that you can make a stand. You can make a difference if you set yourself to seek the Lord. Come on, somebody give the Lord a clap. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is not religion. This is not religion. Jesus said that these times would come, that you're gonna face something you haven't faced before. And the only way you'll be able to deal with it is prayer and fasting. It's in the Bible, you cannot take it out. I don't wanna do it, but I've seen what it does. And I'm here to tell you this morning that that might be I'm not gonna tell you or prescribe to you what you and the Lord need to do. Yes, we do the Daniel fast as a church. And, and those of you that have been at Oceans long enough, you've seen how God moves during and after the Daniel fast. But there might just be one person here this morning that you've hit that block. Yesterday's faith just doesn't seem to be working. And I want you to know that there is a solution Again, I'm not gonna prescribe it to you because that's between you and him. Go before him, draw close to him and watch how he responds. He will respond to you. He says that if you seek, you'll find him. If you knock, he'll open the door. If you ask, you'll receive. But he's not talking about just, you know, Lord, Lord, just open no, he's talking about somebody. Open the door, Lord! Open the door! It's those that are desperate that he responds to. The church in America needs to be a little bit more desperate. Amen. 
All right, let's bow our heads. Father, we love you so much. And I'm so grateful that everything has been provided, Lord. Jesus paid it all on the cross. But we know that our, our adversary goes around like a, a young lion seeking whom he may devour. Lord, your word says that we should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. And Father, I pray this morning that you would cause each and every one of us to hunger and thirst for more of you, to walk with you, to walk in righteousness, to seek after you, God. And Lord, I pray that where faith is needed, that you would increase our faith, just like your disciples asked, increase our faith, God. Lord, I pray this morning that if there's anyone here, in, in fact, Lord, every one of us at some point will get to that place or face that thing that causes us to waver in our faith. So many believers face that thing and they never move beyond it. I pray this morning that that thing would be destroyed, that that spirit of unbelief would be utterly destroyed, Father. I pray this morning that they would once again rise in a faith, in an unwavering faith, Lord, and that you would cause each and every one of us, each and every one of us to seek after you. We love you and we honor you. I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with you all this morning as you leave. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I hope this word has encouraged you. I hope it causes you to go after God with everything inside of you. We'll see you next week.